Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked that overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told... All about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Then she sat down with the harvesters. He offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the wheat and barley harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Great, well morning everyone, it's good to be with you again for part two of Ruth. Why don't you keep that chapter open uh, in your Bibles? I'm going to pray for us that the Lord would help us uh, to understand it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the wonderful story of Ruth. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at this, little portion of your word that you would, Lord, enlarge our minds, help us in our thinking, 
but also stretch our hearts, Lord, that we might grow in our love of you and for you. And as that happens, we pray, Lord, that your kindness would spill out of our lives into the lives of others. And we pray all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. I imagine most of you enjoy listening to stories, whether that's uh, classic fairy tales or epic adventures or real-life dramas full of heartache and hope. We love listening to stories because in different ways they resonate with our hearts. Yet this morning, I want us to focus on a story that I don't think gets the airtime that it deserves, and that is the story of God's kindness. don't know whether any of you come across this book before called Kisses, from Katie, it's the story of an American lady who at the age of 18 left an incredibly privileged upbringing behind and went to care for uh, children living on the street in Uganda. And from the age of 18 to the age of 22, she legally adopted 13 children off the streets. 13 children whose lives will never be the same again because of the kindness of this one lady. And as we continue to read through the book, what you come to see is that the source of that kindness is God. As Katie experiences God's kindness, as as his grace works in her heart, so that kindness spills out of her life into the lives of those children. That's exactly what we're going to see in Ruth chapter 2. That God's kindness to Boaz overflows into the life of Ruth and that overflows in turn into the life of Naomi. But before we come to chapter 2 and think about the the outworking of God's kindness, let's recap where we left off last week in chapter 1. For those of you who are with us, you may remember that we focused in on the return of Naomi to Bethlehem. After 10 years away from the promised land, Naomi came home, but she did so with a real sense of emptiness in her heart. Do you remember how she reflected on that experience in verse 21? I went away full, says Naomi, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Naomi left Bethlehem with a husband and two sons with a family and with a future, but all of that was stripped away in Moab. She was left totally empty. Yet God in his providence through those ten painful and frustrating years was at work. That time in Moab was not without fruit because through Naomi's steady and faithful witness and through the work of God in Ruth's heart, she was converted. And so at the end of chapter one, these two ladies return back to Bethlehem together. And the question before us as they do return is this, what will they find? What will these two women find back in the promised land? Well, the answer to that question is grace. You see, one of the main reasons that the book of Ruth was written is to help us understand that God is at work even in the darkest of times. And right at the end of chapter one, we were left with that, that little glimmer of hope as the, as the goodness of God begins to break through into this dark situation. Do you remember the contrast? In verse 1, we began with a famine in the land. In verse 22, the chapter ended with a harvest in the land. It is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. God is going to reap a harvest in the lives of these ladies. He's going to replace their emptiness with fullness and their sorrow 
with joy. Those dark rain clouds are about to break in blessing on their head. And what begins as a little drizzle at the end of chapter 1 quickly turns into a steady shower of grace and of blessing in chapter 2. What do they find back in the promised land? They find grace. They find the sheer, loving, undeserved kindness of God. And it comes to them through a man called Boaz, who we meet in verse 1. Have a look down if you would. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, there's two things that we learn straight away about Boaz. Firstly, he is a relative of Elimelech. And that's going to become incredibly important as the story progresses. So hold that thought. He's a relative. And secondly, he is a man of standing. What a lovely character reference that is to be known as a man of standing in the community, a really solid, godly guy. And that one verse lays the foundation for what comes next, because in God's hands, Boaz will become a powerful instrument of God's grace. Well, there's three scenes then for us this morning, the first of which I've called Seeking Grace, because in verse 2, Ruth goes into the fields of Bethlehem in search of grace. Have a look down, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour or grace. Same word. Now, of course, we don't know how long Naomi and Ruth have been back in Bethlehem, but I doubt it's been long. They came back with nothing. Their cupboards are bare. And so Ruth goes out into the fields seeking food and seeking favour. You see, in those days, there was no universal credit. There was no state funding to tap into. But actually, there was something far, far better. Because God in his law had made provision for the most vulnerable and needy in society. Have a look at the two references coming up on your screen. Firstly, from Leviticus chapter 19, this is what we read. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord, your God. And again, in Deuteronomy 24, verse 19, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so the Lord, your God, may bless you in all the work of your hands. The word of God is clear. Do not harvest the edge of your field. Leave that little strip of of corn or barley at the edge. Don't harvest that. Leave it for the people who need it most. And when you're harvesting, don't go back over the land and sweep up those bits that you missed the first time. Leave them behind. Why? In order they might be gleaned and gathered up by those who need them most. The, The fatherless, the foreigner and the widow. A description the Old Testament uses to to help us understand the most vulnerable in society. And of course, that includes Ruth, who herself was a foreigner and a widow. 
You see, throughout scripture, we see God's heart. We see God's concern for the most vulnerable and the most needy in society. And because God is concerned for the poor, then so should we be. And so maybe this morning we need to look ourselves in the eye. Maybe we need to check our own hearts to see whether we share that same concern as God. Of course, what poverty now looks like and how we alleviate poverty may have changed. We may not own our own fields of barley and be told to leave that little strip along the edge. But you see, there are different ways and different means of caring for the poor and the needy in society, whether that's children in care or or vulnerable and and fragile elderly people living on their own, or those struggling with all kinds of, of addictions and hurts and habits, or maybe simply those who don't have enough money in their bank to pay their bills and put food on the table for their families. Whatever the need, God expects his people to be part of the answer. And so the question for us is a simple one. What does that look like for us? as a church? What does it look like for us as individuals to embody God's concern for the fatherless, for the foreigner, and for the widow? You see, God in his law and in his kindness has made provision for the most vulnerable in society, and Ruth, armed with that knowledge, Heads out into the fields, seeking food and seeking favour. And what does she find in verse 3? She finds it in abundance in the fields of Boaz. And that brings us to our second scene this morning. Firstly, seeking grace and secondly, finding grace. Have a look at verse 3. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvester's as it out, or you could say, it just so happened. It just so happened she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Of all the fields she could have wandered into that morning, she wanders into the fields belonging to Boaz. Why? Because God is God. As one commentator said, we're not like little corks bobbing up and down in the ocean, tossed around on the sea of chance. No, we are living under the sovereign care and direction of a loving God. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that the choices Ruth was making were not real choices. She got up this morning, on that morning, and made a decision to go and glean in the fields. That was a very real choice. And as she left the home or wherever she was staying, she decided to go this way and not that way. That was a real choice. As we read in the book of Proverbs, we make plans in our hearts. We discern, we decide, we make real choices. But the Lord determines our steps. He determines the way that we go. He determined the way that Ruth went. What a glorious reality that is. And in verse 4, things just keep getting better. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Be lovely, wouldn't it, to be greeted with those words every morning by your boss, words of blessing. And of course, these aren't just cheap 
platitudes. These are the words of a man whose life was centred on God. And as Boaz looks over his fields that morning, he knows his workforce well enough to spot a face that he does not know in the crowd. He spots Ruth. And he asks his right-hand man the question in verse 5, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. No doubt Boaz had a a pile of paperwork to attend to that morning, but he has enough time and he has enough grace to go and meet Ruth and to assure her that in his fields she will find provision and protection. She will experience his kindness. And look how she responds in verse 10. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I? found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner. Ruth is absolutely stunned by the kindness of Boaz. She has no rights, yet she's shown grace. And of course, those words should be words that are on the tips of our tongue as well as we bow down to the ground before the Lord, our God, and we say, why me? Why little me? Why such favour poured out on me? Colin Wells, a stranger to the promises of God, cut off from the goodness of God, wandering, wayward, dead in my sin, yet now accepted. And brought near by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why did God choose me? Answer, grace. Pure, free and irresistible grace. And just like Ruth, we should be amazed at grace. And it should move us in our hearts to worship the God of grace. And the grace just keeps coming in verse 14 and there's still more grace in verse 15 and 16. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Boaz goes way above and beyond what the law requires. He doesn't just say, leave that little strip of unharvested crop at the side of the field. He says, as you're harvesting, as you're going along, pull out some little bundles and leave them on the floor for Ruth and for those who need them most. And so as Ruth wanders behind the harvesters, gleaning and gathering, she's not just picking up little ears of corn, she's picking up bundles of grain. You can imagine the smile on her face in verse 17. So Ruth gleaned, no doubt, with joy in her heart in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. Which, of course, I had to look up. I've got no idea how much an ephah weighs. It weighs approximately 13 kilograms. That's 13 bags of sugar. That's not a bad day's work, is it? She leaves that morning with nothing 
seeking food and favor, and she finds it in abundance in the fields of Boaz. You can imagine dragging this big sack of grain home and she she lands it at the feet of Naomi in verse 18. Wouldn't it be lovely sometimes to have a picture to go with a text that we find in the Bible? You You can imagine Naomi's face, her eyes popping out of her head as she sees this massive sack of grace spilling out in front of her and somehow manages in her astonishment to ask the question in verse 19, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Do you remember Katie and the street children in Uganda? God's kindness to her spilled out of her life into the lives of those children. That's exactly what's going on in Ruth chapter 2. God's kindness to Boaz overflows into the life of Ruth and that spills over into the life of Naomi like a cascading waterfall of kindness. You see the picture there on the screen? God, of course, is the source of all kindness and grace. And as his grace flows into the the reservoir of our hearts and lives, so it spills out of us onto the next level, cascading down. That's how God's kindness works. I guess the question for us today is, what does that look like in our lives? What does it look like for our hearts to be so full of grace and kindness that it spills over into the lives of others. Two quick applications for you to help you as you think this through. Firstly, we need to pause to be kind. We need to pause. We need to slow down. We need to stop for long enough to understand the immeasurable kindness of God. As we think about the self-giving of God in his kindness, he gave his one and only son to this world. And the more we ponder, the more we reflect upon the sheer kindness and grace of God, the more it will pour out of our lives. You see, the fuller our hearts become, the more inevitable it is that kindness will spill out of us into the lives of of others. Firstly, we need to pause to be kind, and secondly, we need to plan to be kind. Yes, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a work of God's grace in our hearts, yet we still need to plan to be kind. And so here's my challenge for you this morning. Today, maybe take a bit of time on your own, or as a couple, or as a family, and write down some different ways this week that you can express God's kindness to others. I wrote a few things down to challenge myself while I was prepping and one of those things was this. This is what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to go around to my next door neighbour, Yvonne. Yvonne's an old lady. We've been helping her with the shopping since lockdown began. But I'm going to ask Yvonne what more we can do to help her. You see, the danger is we show kindness to people during this period of time when we're more aware of the needs of others. But as lockdown finishes, so we become 
so focused on our own worlds and our own lives again that we forget those people around us. I'm going to ask Yvonne this week, prompted by what I see here in God's word, to say what else can we do, Yvonne, to help you in your life? Those are the sorts of questions that we need to be asking ourselves and each other. What does it look like to express God's kindness to others? Firstly, we need to pause to be kind as we consider the gospel. And secondly, we need to plan to be kind as we consider those around us. And that brings us to our third and final scene. Seeking grace, finding grace, and redeeming grace. Now look at verse 20. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And then she added these incredibly Important words. The man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Do you remember the question we began with? As these two ladies arrive back in Bethlehem, what will they find in the promised land? Answer, a redeemer. Not just a a relative with a sense of obligation, but a redeemer. One who will bring them into his life and care for their every need. And in chapter 3 and in chapter 4, we're going to see how that points forward. That that redeemer points forward to the, the majestic, full and finished redeeming work of Jesus Christ. But for now, I want to leave us with three applications that we find from looking at one day. In the life of Ruth. Firstly she acted. On the promise of grace. God in his law as we've seen already. Made provision for the most vulnerable. And needy in society. And Ruth acted upon that promise. And she went out into the fields. Seeking food. And seeking favour. And she found it in abundance. In the fields of Boaz. If we too want to experience God's grace, then we need to act upon the word of God. So what we see, look in James chapter 1, verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The man or woman of God who look into the word of God, who believe in the word of God and act upon the word of God will be blessed in what they do. Firstly, she acted on the promise of grace. Secondly, she was thankful for her experience of grace. You remember those words in verse 10? Why have I, says Ruth, found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? I wonder, are we thankful for grace? Or are we in danger of losing our awe and our wonder in the glorious grace of God? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, oh, to be ever amazed and in awe of God's grace in such a way that will flood our hearts with thankfulness and move us to kindness and to worship. And then thirdly and lastly, she shared that grace, verse 18. 
She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her, she gave to her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. It's a lovely picture, isn't it, as Ruth drops this big sack of grain at the feet of Naomi. The kindness of Boaz to Ruth has now been passed on. It has spilled over into Naomi's life. Ruth has been kind to her mother-in-law. And there's a challenge for us, isn't it? To be kind to your mother-in-law. But of course, in all seriousness, there is a there is a point of application here in terms of how we care for our elderly relatives, whether that's our mum and dad or grandparents or aunties and uncles or mother-in-law or father-in-law, how we look after them, how we are kind to them in their latter years. And so a question for us as we finish, are we in danger of neglecting our elderly parents? Are we passing that responsibility onto the state or to other people rather than assuming that responsibility for ourselves, just as Ruth did with Naomi? Ruth chapter 2 is a story of God's kindness. Ruth acted on the promise of grace and went seeking it. She found that grace in the fields of Boaz and she was truly thankful for it and then she shared that grace with Naomi as her kindness spilled over into the lives of others Ruth chapter 2 is a story of God's kindness well as we finish I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 5 before we respond to God's grace in song Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 says this Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God.